communion is to remember. But not to remember as if something happened a long time ago only, but to remember of what occurred 2,000 years ago on the cross and its ongoing impact and power and transformation in our lives. The purpose of remembering isn't just to look back and what he did for us. It is to ever concentrate on the redemption of the cross, the blood that was shed to cleanse us of all sin, the life that was given to cut us off from the power of sin, and hallelujah, someday from the very presence of sin itself we will be free. This is a remembrance of an ongoing act, the greatest moment in all of history, in all of eternity, when Christ came to die on a cross to purchase us back to God. That's what communion is. The bread and the wine, the body and the blood, it is the essence, it is the core, it is Christianity. Hi, uh, I'm a fan of church signs. I read them every chance I get. I'll be honest with you, most of them don't zing me a whole lot. But I saw one the other day that I absolutely um, opposed because uh, rather than just not being a good church sign, it was a sign in error. The sign encouraged Christians to celebrate Christ or to celebrate God in that he shared his son with us. No such thing is taught in Scripture. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave. Now, there's a difference between sharing and giving. If, if I had uh, a bag of raisinets and I were going to share them with you, I would pour some in your hand and retain some to myself. If I were going to give them to you, I would hand you the entire bag and empty myself of any future possibilities for raisinets. I've been done. It's yours. God gave his son to us. And in doing so, and in doing so, altered the second person of the Godhead for all eternity. For all eternity. Now, there's a scripture that says, I am the Lord, I change not. So how could it be that God the Son came and became the Lamb of God, and God gave him, and he became crucified for us and those holes in his hands and those scars will be with him for all eternity going forward. Do you understand that? So how was that a change? He altered, he changed. Well, God changes not. Well, if you read the verse carefully that says that the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world, not at the creation from the creation. Looking back in all eternity past, he was the Lamb of God slain for us. Even though it happened in a certain moment in history, that crucifixion in reality happened at no starting point. He came and loved us and died for us. I take my thoughts this morning from an unusual passage. 
for a communion, but I want you to turn your Bibles there, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 this morning. I want you to see something about our world and about Christ and about the God who came to die for us. This is written, of course, by John, and John's experience in heaven has taken with the angel, the angel that took him through these experiences and showed him things. This is what he literally saw in chapter 5 in the book of Revelation. Chapter 5 in the book of Revelation. Verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now, let me stop and give you a context before we move on. This scroll that was sealed by these seven seals is going to be the righteous judgment of God Almighty on this earth as he deals with the sin of this world, bringing in everlasting righteousness on this planet. This is going to be the seals that are broken and the scroll that is open that God will finally come on the scene to right wrong, to deal with sin, to cure the world's ills. We've been working at this for thousands of years, waiting for the right man to come, the right policies to come, the right political scene to come. We've been waiting for somebody to save us in all the world, to fix this mess we are in. And it is a mess. To cry out for all the victims of crimes, the pain and suffering inflicted in this world because of sin. And we who know Christ are sick of it, are we not? This is the scroll. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll to look into it. And John says, I began to weep loudly. Uh, the construction of the Greek is, I began to weep and to weep and to weep uncontrollably, inexhaustibly, I couldn't stop myself. I was so upset. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. Now, is that not the cry of our world? Is that not the heartbreak of saved and lost alike? That no matter how hard we try, generations come and generations go. The millennials are not going to fix this world. The baby boomers didn't fix this world. Every generation, it's the age of Aquarius. A new age is dawning. We're going to be kind and gentle and loving to one another. Love will conquer hate. No, it will not. Love will not conquer hate. Hate has been with us and sin has been with us and destruction and damage and heartache has been with us since the dawn of sin in this world. No man will fix this. No government will fix this. No generation will cure this. And we have been crying and weeping and weeping and weeping for thousands of years. And John joins the chorus of regret 
But notice the story changes. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep now, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root, notice not the offspring of Jesse, the root of Jesse. The root of Jesse has conquered. Notice, is not going to conquer. He has conquered. What we remember today up here is the victory that has already been conquered for this world and for the salvation of our souls. It has been done. It is conquered. The cross, the sacrifice, is not a part of our Christian life. It is the very core and essence of everything. It feeds our very souls with the redemption that we so desperately need. The lion of the tribe of Judah, hallelujah, has already fully conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, if you're John, you want to see this lion. You want to see this lion. So John turns and notice what he sees. It's shocking. It's surprising. And between the throne and the four living creatures, which symbolizes all of nature, and among the elders, which probably symbolizes the church, I saw a lamb. He looked for a lion, and he saw a lamb. The lamb was standing. Now, in a minute, he's going to mention that as if it had been slaughtered. The Message Bible says that it was a slaughtered lamb standing tall. as though it had been slain. I love that, don't you? Here's the Lamb of God sacrificed for us. This is as fresh and relevant and applicable as the day the blood dripped down the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the shout of our victory. This is the core of our lives. This is the meaning of all of it. And this is the one who will come and conquer. He is the Lamb of God. I'll read through the rest of the chapter because I want you to catch the, the, the flow of it. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as it had been slain with seven horns, which is perfect, complete power, seven eyes, fully able to see everything, and had the seven spirits, which symbolizes wisdom, sent out into all the earth. He is able to judge and to bring judgment. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, all of creation, all of the church, fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and seven bowls of, full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang, notice, a new song. Worthy, <clears throat> worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain. Don't miss this. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. That's you. 
that's me. He bought us back from the slave market. Dead in sin, cold toward God, no movement. And the message of the gospel came, and we were redeemed back to God. We sit in our positions today in the heavenly places because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, because of the grace of God poured out on the ruggedness of burlap and the blood stain. There was nothing attractive about the cross. It's ugly. It is blood-stained. It is uncomfortable. No one today has a burlap shirt on. We don't wear that sort of thing. It's irritating. There's nothing beautiful about the cross and the blood that was shed, and yet we who are redeemed lift our hands and shout, Hallelujah, for being purchased back to God, bought back to the Redeemer who loved us and died for us. This isn't complicated. This is simple. A five-year-old can understand this. This is communion, the redemption of Christ, the purchasing back from every tribe and language and people and nation. God sees every color in the spectrum, every people group. He loves all of them equally. He has redeemed all who would come to him. And you were made a kingdom and priest to our God. I love this next phrase. And they shall reign on the earth. Political powers come and go. Kingdoms come and go. I love Abraham's, Abraham Lincoln's statement about he and Stephen Douglas, his arch opponent politically. He said, someday when these two stammering tongues will lie silent in the grave. The tongues of men will lie silent in the grave. But we shall reign on this earth. You and I. I've got my cities picked out. I hope you do too. I've got my areas. I want to rule and reign in Hawaii. That's what I'm asking the Lord for. We shall reign. We took Oscar for a walk the other day, and he was attacked by another dog. We rounded the bend, and he ran slap into another dog on a leash. It was a large dog. The dog came out and wrapped himself around my legs. I was crippled. Of course, Oscar, being a Jack Russell, bowed up along to the other dog, and the other dog reached down and latched onto Oscar's back and bit into him. And Oscar was screaming. Didn't puncture the skin, thank God, but Oscar knew he'd gotten a hold by, by a, a big dog. I had him by the leash, and I just pulled him up, got him out of that... The dog let go, which is a good thing because the next step would be my foot and the side of his head. But he let go, and I held Oscar up, dangling on the thing, grabbed him, his little heart was beating, and got him out of that situation. Listen, Christian, this world is a mess. We're attacked constantly by the enemy, the devil, our own flesh gets us in trouble. This is a mess. We're in a mess down here. But I'm telling you that God has us on his divine leash, and no matter what bites into you, he'll pull you up. He'll kick that old thing in the head. He'll carry you out of here. And we shall someday rule and reign. 
I'm going to get my pellet gun and go looking for that dog later. <laughs> I won't kill him, but I'll bite him in the back. And then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is thousands of years ago, and yet this is the same lamb that was slain. We're still talking about it thousands of years after the fact, and we will be singing and shouting and talking about it for all eternity. It's a theme of our souls that we were bought back from sin. This is the lamb that was slain. To receive, he is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, all of them, I love that, all of them on earth. I tell this story occasionally, I'll tell it again. There was a letter carrier at Arlington, his name was Lewis. Lewis was a good friend of mine, but he was a... He was an atheist in an aggressive fashion. If he knew you were a Christian, he was coming after you. And he came after you quite vocally in front of everybody. And I became friends with Lewis, and so I felt froggy one morning, and I said something Christian-type in the area, about 15, 20 letter carriers, and he popped his head out. I knew he would. And he said something, and I said, Lewis. He said, yeah. I said, bend your knees. And he went like that, and he looked at me, he goes, what do you want me to do that? I said, because someday every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ, and I just want to make sure your knees are working. <laughs> oh! I, you know, I look forward perhaps to seeing Lewis in heaven someday and us having a good time about all that. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will proclaim blessing and honor and glory and might forever to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. You can't, you know, you can't plan amens. You know, there's, no, there's nothing that says, you know, like in studio audience, they say clap now. You know, everybody thinks like that. There's nothing in the church that goes, say amen. Because there's something that boils up into your soul. You can't help but say it. It's like a burp. You can try to restrain it, but it's coming out. So if it's coming out, you might as well make the most of it. Amen? It's in your soul. Say amen. Amen. Incredible chapter. Christ was not shared. He was given. 